how's everybody doing on this fine Sunday morning? All right. Well, hey, my name is Josh, one of the pastors here at Radiant Life. And my name is Brandon, one of the other pastors here on staff at Radiant Life. And uh, we're going we're gonna to do a little tag team preaching here this morning. So, you know, we've been... That was pretty smooth. That, that was did, a good one. We did really good on that. We did better that one than, than the first service. So yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're tag teaming today. I don't know, do we have any uh, like wrestling fans in the... No, none, like none. I thought Chad was here somewhere. Oh, Sean, we got, okay. All right, anyways, not, wrong crowd, I guess. Today. Yeah. Because I was going to ask you. I know, he, this is totally screwing this part up. Yeah, and like, nobody's, <laughs> everyone's going to be like, okay, just stop. No, I was curious. Like if you were going to come up with like your own like signature wrestling move. Like what would you call it? The the dusty pile driver. <laughs> the dusty pile driver. So I would have secret sawdust in my pocket and I go <laughs> like that and then I would pile drive oh! use my finish move. I take notes. If you guys take, take notes. Cuz there was the one wrestler that had like a 2 by 4 with him like I wrestled him and beat him, and I sawed up his two by four. Ran it through I, your, ran I don't it through know where your this is jointer. No, I don't. This know. is you being you. <laughs> he didn't know I was going to ask him that. So there you go. Very cool. Uh, so we're going to tag team it. There will be no spandex. There will be no uh, hitting with uh, folding chairs. And everybody said amen. None on of that. Guy. So, yeah. so instead, instead, we're just going to talk about talk about Jesus uh, for a little bit uh, here this morning. So we're we're in our series, Upside Down Kingdom. And over the course of this series, we've been looking at some of the parables that Jesus told, right? And these are, these are stories that Jesus told the people that were, were listening to him. And we talked about these parables and how they were to awaken insight and move us to action. And he told these stories that illustrated different principles of his kingdom. And he had to do this because many of the principles of his kingdom look very different than the principles of the kingdoms of this world. So he said, hey, you guys think you know how things operate? He's like, I need to let you know. It's, it's a little bit different in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of heaven. So he told these parables. And we're going to jump into one of them here today. Yeah, so if you brought your Bibles, uh, head over to Luke chapter 15. Uh, if you have your Bible on a device, turn that on. Head over to Luke chapter 15. And just remember, like... Uh, th- this whole teaching series, if you've missed any of it, head over to the website. Uh, you can catch up on all of these. But the whole point of these teachings in the parable is to awaken something. And so that same spirit that was in uh, that day with Jesus is still here today. And I think that can awaken insight within us today. Can I get an amen on that? And so uh, we're, gonna, we're actually going to be looking at the entire chapter 15 of Luke. And so there's actually three parables inside of that. Uh, and one thing that we've been doing that's really cool here uh, with the, this teaching series is we've had a variety of different students come up and read our passages. So, uh, Kenzie, where are you at? Kenzie, all right. Come on up, Kenzie. Yeah, come hey, on as, up here. As Kenzie's coming up, we want to invite you to stand. Right, go ahead and stand with us. We've been doing this uh, for the last several weeks, right, just as we, as we dig into God's word. And hey, don't flip out if the words on the screen look different than what you hear. That's all right. We can, there's a variety of different translations. Right so now do you want us to, yeah, say hi. everybody say hi, Kenzie. Hi. Rock and roll. I think they're more excited about you being up here than me and Brandon being up here. I'm, <laughs> I'm a little bit jealous. So do you want me to hold the mic or do you want to hold the mic? Um, 
way. Either way. I'll, I'll hold it for you. That way, that way you can just focus on, on the Bible, right? So as she's reading, again, just follow along in, in your text, right? But we're going to read the first 10 verses of Luke chapter 15. And then Brandon and I will kind of, uh, we'll, we'll jump into the, the rest of the chapter and we'll kind of piece that together as we go. So let's, let's hear Luke 15 here. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. If a man had a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the ninety-nine others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders when he and when he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over the lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over the 99 others who are right, righteous and haven't strayed away. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and, and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will care. She will call in her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. It's God's word for us this morning. Can we give Kenzie Good job. a hand? Before you sit down, uh, no, before you sit down, <laughs> before you sit down, uh, let's pray. Father God, thank you for your holy word. Thank you that it's living and active and that we can apply it even today. And so, Lord, I pray against any distractions that we might have here in this moment, that things that might be just filling our thought process in our mind right now, and Lord, I just pray in Jesus' name that you would just allow us to be present here in this moment. Lord, I pray that we would leave here changed, not because of Josh or Brandon, but because we encountered your holy word and that it just pierced our hearts. And so, Lord, we just invite you into our hearts and our minds and ask that you would just shape us and, and, and that we would be pliable in the way that you intended us to be. And so, Father, we give you all this time, and we give you all the honor and glory. And all the people said, amen. Now you can have a seat. So Luke starts to set the scene for us right there in in verse 1 to kind of know what we're getting into. In verse 1, he says, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to hear Jesus teach. So as Jesus is going around doing his public ministry, teaching, healing, you know, all these different things, he started to attract crowds of people. And there was kind of a mixed bag as to who was coming to hear him teach. Right, Luke says, hey, some of these people were tax collectors and other notorious sinners. But we know from the next verse that there was another crew of people, and those were some of the religious leaders, the Pharisees, right? the people that they knew God's law really, really well. And they would come and, and tag along, not so much because they were excited about what Jesus was teaching, because they were kind of, they viewed themselves as, as the, the gatekeepers for all that was, was right and good. And so they would see all of these tax collectors and other sinners coming to hear Jesus, and they started to get upset. They're like, man, what is this guy doing? 
Right, he's going, not only is he letting these, these people come and, and listen to him to be in this same space, but he even goes and he eats with them. Like, man, this is, this is not right. We gotta do something about this. And Jesus, aware of what these religious leaders are saying, he says, you know what, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you guys a story. Right, and, and, and it's important, in this chapter, there are three different stories. If you remember back to week one in this series, if you were here for that teaching, Pastor Ryan said that Jesus would often tell two or three parables to illustrate one kingdom principle. And that relates to Old Testament law where it says a matter is established based on the witness of two or three witnesses, right? So, so you don't just take one person's testimony and say, okay, well, I guess that's what it is. So here we have Jesus. He's gonna, he's gonna lay out three different stories to illustrate his point. And the first story that Jesus tells has to do with a sheep, and a shepherd, right? And sheep and shepherding language is all throughout scripture. Jesus refers to himself as the good shepherd. And he says, hey, there's this shepherd. And this shepherd has a hundred sheep. So in that culture, he's probably, you know, moderately wealthy. He's got a hundred sheep. And Jesus says, well, if he has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders off, as sheep will do sometimes because they're stupid, <laughs> wanders off, he says, won't the shepherd leave the 99 and go out and look for this one that wandered away? But in his audience, I don't know, again, there might have been people listening to Jesus that said, no, no, you, you don't leave the 99 to go after one, like that's bad math. That seems irresponsible. Right, Right, the only people that handle their finances like that are those of us that invested in crypto, right? We're like, you know, can I get an amen in the, in the house today, right? He says, you, so maybe they're sitting there thinking, no, Jesus, you don't leave, like that's once you, hey, you've still got the 99, keep them. Don't risk losing anymore. But Jesus says, no, he says, doesn't he go out and do this? Jesus saying like, isn't it obvious he leaves, he goes, he hunts down this sheep. And when he finds it, man, he's gonna throw it over his shoulders. He's gonna carry it home. And when he gets home, he's gonna celebrate. He's gonna call all of his friends and be like, guys, I found my sheep, we're gonna have a party. Hopefully, hopefully they're not serving lamb chops at the party. I don't know. Teach you to run off your sheep. But he says, man, they're gonna celebrate. And now, it's, it's important to understand, sometimes when Jesus tells parables, these are hyperbolic, right? This is not, he's not saying, hey, if you find your one sheep, you're probably not gonna actually throw a party. Jesus is trying to overemphasize the kingdom principle here. He says, man, when you lose something, there's something that is lost. We are gonna pursue that thing that is lost. And when we find it, there is rejoicing, there is celebration. And now he draws the line between his story and the kingdom principle. Because he says, in the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents than over the 99 who never, they never left. There's more joy in heaven over the one who is found and brought back in than the ones who never left. And he starts to set up this, this kingdom principle. And then he goes into another story. 
which he could have stopped right there. Like, that's, a, that's an awesome story. Uh, like, hey, this one sheep is found. There's a party. But Jesus is really going to emphasize his point. And so now he goes into another parable, and it goes like this. It says, suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And so now he's, he's giving this other illustration to really solidify his point. Now, here's an image of what this coin could look like. But to kind of go with our theme here, here's this woman who has this coin. And it's, it's quite probable that this woman was poor. Uh, now, the scriptures aren't clear on all of those details, and it, it's not going to make or break the story. But with this woman, it's quite possible that one of these coins that she had lost was part of her dowry. Now, here's an image on the screen here uh, of a woman in her headdress, and you can see that there are coins hanging uh, from her headdress. This would almost be the same symbolism as a wedding ring. You know, something that has value and a symbolism of commitment. And so in first century world, it was often that a woman would have this headdress in the event that maybe her husband passed away or whatever. Like this would, like this money would stay with her. Like that, that wouldn't go anywhere else. And so this actually has a ton of value and worth to this woman. In fact, Luke gives us the detail that it's so valuable that she's going to light a lamp. Now, I don't know about you, but growing up, I did a lot of crazy things, and uh, we had um, those, you know those lanterns, like you had to pump them up before? At the old Coleman camp? Yeah, 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 like you go ice fishing, like it would heat up the ice shanty or whatever, like we'd put them on the front of the boat and go spearing. Like, when I think of a lamp, that's the sort of lamp I'm thinking of, but you can clearly see in this image, these lamps are very small. In fact, here's an image of one that is lit uh, in the dark. Like, it, it's not very bright. It's not like the Coleman lanterns that we have today or the LED uh, lamps that we have today. It's, it's very dimly lit and it's very small and it just, just burns off of olive oil. So another reason why a lot of scholars uh, would consider that this woman was poor is that she needed to light the lamp to even see in her house. So she probably lived in like earth walls or whatever, and there's probably one circle in that wall that only allowed just a little bit of natural light to come in. And so for her to look for this valuable thing required her lighting it. But then Luke gives us another detail that she was sweeping the house. Like, I mean, we don't have the robotic, uh, you know, <laughs> vacuums back then is what we do now. Uh, but she's looking for this coin because it has so much worth. Because it's probable that her floor was just dirt. Or if it did have stone, it, they didn't have grout. They didn't grout the stone. So that coin could have fell down in between the cracks. So this, this coin had so much worth and value. And she did what it took to look for this coin. Now, but think about this. It, have you ever lost anything? Like set of keys, a phone, like wallet, like, I mean, what, a couple of weeks ago, we kind of ran into this, right? We did, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, um, it got to be like a Thursday morning, and I had, I came to the realization, like, oh, crud, like, I have no idea where my wallet is, I went, I went to grab my wallet, put it in my pocket, and I'm like, it isn't where I normally keep it, and 
I, I came in Thursday mornings. We do prayer together as a staff. We could tell you were off. Yeah, and yeah. and I was like, I was now it's been a couple two three days, and I'm and I'm starting to freak out a little bit. Like, man, am I gonna I have to go cancel all my cards? You know, my driver's license in there, like all these things that are in my wallet. I'm like, oh, like crud, like it's it's gone. I can't find it. I'm like, oh, I had it at the coffee shop. I'm like, hey, go to the coffee shop. Has anyone turned in a in a wallet that's got my face in it, kind of thing? And <laughs> And they didn't, like nobody had turned it in. So I'm like, oh no. So I came in, I just said, man, guys, like I'm stressed out. Like, can you guys pray? And Kinsey did, like he prayed. He's like, Lord, hey, just help that wallet show up miraculously somewhere. And, uh, and, and we kind of went back to work, you know, our normal routine. And I, and I mean it, like Josh was off. Like he was not present in the moment. And clearly his mind was distracted because, I mean, maybe some of you have been victims of fraud. Like, you get it. Like, the, the weight and the significance of, of not having your wallet. But then, I think it was around lunchtime, and we just both happened, or we had both had meetings or whatever, but we just happened to leave at the same time. We both walked out to our vans. I was fiddling with something, but then I saw you coming back, but you yeah. looked a little different. Yeah, so I'd, I'd gone to my van, right? and this is, and, and you hear me, like, I had looked through my van twice. One of my kids had looked through my van, but as I go to put my computer bag in my in my passenger side, you just get like that that little nudge, of like oh hey, just look like right here, and so I'm like like oh it's my wallet like, again. I've been through my I've been through my van multiple times, right? So when Kinsey prays like Lord, just help that wallet miraculously, I I truly believe like that wallet miraculously showed up right there in front of me because it was super cool. I, and like even this week, I had lost an item. And then I was looking for it, and I found my earbuds that have been lost for a really long time. <laughs> and they're expensive, like, and it's like, man, I've been looking for these for weeks. And so I was super excited to find it. I lose all kinds of stuff all the time. I need to be more responsible. But maybe you can relate to that, right? Like, you've lost something, and it was that feeling, of, or maybe even that sigh of relief. You rejoice because you found whatever that thing is, Right? Jesus continues with the story. He says, and when she finds it, she will call her friends and her neighbors and say, rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. And so I hope that maybe you can just slightly kind of sense, have that feeling, that rejoicing of when you found that lost thing. And here's this woman. She lost something that was valuable. She searched, she pursued, she took what, she did what it took to look for this lost coin. And so in the same way, there will be joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. And really, it's a beautiful story, and Jesus could have ended it there. But now he's really wanting to emphasize the point here. And now he tells a parable about these two brothers and their dad. So Jesus continues, he says, hey, there's this, there's this dad, and he's got a couple of sons. And he says, the younger son comes to the dad. And he says, hey, I want my share of your estate now before you die. Pause for cultural context, right? At best, at best, this kid is super selfish and materialistic, right? He's thinking, hey, there are things I want to buy. There are things I want to do. I don't want to, why, why would I waste my time working for these things when dad is loaded? When he dies, I'm going to get some money. Hey, I want to do those things now. So, hey, dad, give me my money. Give me my money. Selfish and materialistic. At worst, this is like slap in the face, disrespectful to his father saying, dad, I wish you were dead 
so I could get what's mine. Now, in their culture, in their culture, this father could have taken his son to the town elders and they could have stoned him at the gate for being that disrespectful to his dad. Children in the room. (laughs) The next time you're mouthing off to your mom or your dad. (laughs) I think you need a disclaimer there. Yeah. (laughs) I gotta say this in person. Like, I'm not advocating that you stone your children. Okay, thank you for clarifying that. This is recorded. Do not stone your children, those of you online. (laughs) But kids, it's just something to think about. Anyways. Super disrespectful to his father. But Jesus continues the story. He says, so the dad agreed. And he divided his wealth between his two sons. And this younger son, Jesus says, he proceeds to take the money and he goes out and he spends it on worldly living. Maybe your translation says wild living. He's out, he's partying it up. He's having a good time. All the things that he wanted to buy before, he's buying. All the things he wanted to do before, he's doing. He's living it up. He got that money. Now he's doing all those things. Problem is, he runs out of money. It's like the people that win the lottery and it's like, oh, I'm set for life, but then in a year you're broke. He's broke. And then to add insult to injury, it says about the time his money ran out, a famine sweeps over the land. A famine sweeps over the land. So he went from living in the comfort of his father's household to having all of the things that he thought he wanted, all the things he thought he needed, to now he's in this season of scarcity. He's out of money. And even if he had money, there aren't resources around because there's a famine. So he goes and he finds somebody who lives in that area, a pig farmer, and he hires himself out. And his job is to feed the pigs. This is a picture of carob carob pods. Some scholars say this this might be like what the, the young man was feeding the pigs. And Jesus says this young man longed to fill his stomach with the food he was giving the pigs. At this point in the story, the Pharisees, remember them? These are the guys that were there with Jesus and they're, they're upset because all these sinners and tax collectors are hanging out. This is the point of the story where the Pharisees probably started their slow clap for Jesus, they're like, all right, Jesus, about time you get a story right. He got what he deserved. They said, this punk kid, super disrespectful to his dad, strike one. This kid goes out and spends all of his dad's money doing things that I'm pretty sure there are some laws in Leviticus about, strike two. Ends up working for a pig farmer. He's, he's in the muck with pigs. You don't hang out with pigs if you want to stay clean. Strike three. The Pharisees are like, yes. Like Brandon said, this guy got what he deserved. Y'all better pay attention. But Jesus keeps going. 
He says, when he finally, when he, that younger son, when he finally came to his senses, he has this moment of realization as he's feeding these pigs. And he says, you know what? Like the, the least of my father's servants, like they're not wanting for anything. They go to bed every night with a full belly. And I'm out here wanting to eat pig food. He's like, I, I'm, here's what I'm going to do. I am going to go. I am going to humble myself before my dad. I'm going to say, dad, I don't deserve to be your son anymore. I gave that up, right? I squandered that. So I, I'm not going to claim that anymore. But will you please hire me as one of your servants? So he has this, this inner conversation. He says, I'm going to go back. He came to his senses and he returned home to his father. And then Jesus says, the father saw the son coming and he runs to him. Which again, man, culturally, this would have been socially unacceptable, right? These guys, they're wearing like long robes, right? So it's this, it's this older guy, right? Like if we had like somebody here wearing a robe, I'd call you up on stage, right? And you're like, you're like running, <laughs> like you're running down the road to your kid. He runs down the road. And that would have been scandalous. Right. The Pharisees are like, uh-uh. Again, the son disrespected the father. He doesn't, he doesn't deserve any of this. And now the father is disgracing himself mm. to go to his son. The father runs to him. He brings him back home. He puts a robe on him. He puts a ring on his finger, right? These are, these are symbols of his role as a son, his place in the household. That ring would have been a signet ring saying, hey, I'm part of this family, Jesus says, that's, that's what happens. The father runs to him and brings him back in. The son was hoping that his father would receive him as a, as a lowly servant. But not only does the father receive him, he restores him to his full place as a son. The Pharisees would be losing their minds at this point. And just for good measure, Jesus, and now maybe you don't like me saying this about Jesus, but he, he takes the proverbial knife and twists it just a little bit more. And that's, that's what we see at the next stage. So that would already seem upside down with there, but Jesus being this amazing teacher continues this story and now he's going to talk about this older brother and the older brother is out being obedient to the father and he hears this commotion going on he asks one of the other servants what's going on and they're like hey we're having a party your brother's back your dad said hey go get the fattened calf we're gonna throw a party because your brother is back and the older brother was angry the older brother was angry and he wouldn't even go in. I mean, there's so much right there just in that one sentence in this attitude that this older brother had not only to his younger brother but also to his father. But then Luke gives us the detail right there in that very next sentence. His father came out and begged him. 
Pause for a second. The father went to both sons. The father, he, he ran. It would have been scandalous for this man to run out. But now he goes out to this older son who is almost just flippant and arrogant. Right? Like his, just, his attitude that he had towards his younger brother and towards his dad. The fact that he's angry that his brother came home. I mean, we can all sit here right now, even in this moment, and like, man, he's kind of a jerk face for being angry. Like, why wouldn't he accept him coming home? But then Jesus gives us some more details. Because the father came out, right? Like, if you have your Bible, circle that. Mm. The fact that the father came out. He, He went to the younger brother. The shepherd went to the sheep. The woman went and looked for the coin, the father went to the older son and he begged him. It wasn't just to pull his ear or to try to knock some sense into him. He was begging him. And he said, and the brother said this, he said, all these years I have slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And all that time you never uh, gave me one young goat for a feast with my friends. See, this older son was the obedient one. He was the rule follower. He was the one that did whatever dad said to do. He followed the rules. He was obedient. And now he's angry at his younger brother, and he couldn't even get a goat. Side note, goat's not half bad. Have you had goat? I have had goat. Yeah, like you can go to one of our local taco places and go get a goat taco. Just saying, little side note, little extra there for you. But this brother, he's angry. He's like, I couldn't even get a goat, and now you're gonna do the fattened calf for this brother, your son? Because look at the very next verse. And yet when this son of yours, when this son of yours, not even my brother, but this son of yours, just right there, that already tells you the attitude that this brother has towards this one. He's not even acknowledging him as a family member. He says, this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes and you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. Dad, I've been here the whole time. I didn't go out and blow all your money. I followed the rules. I've done good things. I went out into the fields. I've done everything that you've asked me to do. I've gone to church every single Sunday. I serve There, I throw a couple of bucks in the basket, Dad. I've been good. I've always been in proximity to you and I've always done good things for you, Dad. So another way to say that is activity for God by itself or proximity to him is not the same as knowing him. Neither son knew the father. Jesus is giving this beautiful example of these two sons. One just was this crazy sinner who just hit rock bottom and this other one is blinded from the father from his own self-righteousness. All the good things that he has done for the father. And dad, the father, he's, he's trying to get this older son's attention and he tries to speak life into him. He says, look, dear son, you, you've always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We, we had to celebrate. 
We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And this just would have stirred the waters with the Pharisees. These, I like to call them the religious elite. But here's the thing. Neither son wanted to be with their father. They wanted what the father had, but didn't want the father. Let that sit in for a second. The younger one, he didn't want anything to do with dad. He just, he wanted what dad had, but he didn't want dad. It was the same with the older brother. He was just in proximity. He was always there, but he didn't want anything to do with the father. And all the father wanted was to have both of them be with him. Francis Chan, his take on this whole story, he puts it like this. He says, we tend to focus on the sons in the story, but we should ask, what is the father's goal for each of his sons? To get them to sit down together with him at the table. See, we have to understand that it was a big deal in this story, and there was a lot of costs that it took. It, and when we begin to understand this cost, that begins to, to move us. It, it begins to move us into that action that we spoke about. See, when we need to be melted and moved by what it costs to bring us home. See, this, this, this older brother, he should have restored the younger brother. Think about it. The younger brother came to dad and said, I wish you were dead. Give me what's mine. And dad did it. Which means what's left is the older brothers. And so now when dad's throwing the party for the younger brother, that's coming out of the inheritance. What should have happened is this older brother should have went to dad and say, dad, my brother, not this son of yours, my brother, he has walked away from you and I want to do whatever it takes to bring him back to you, dad. That's what the older brother should have done. Jesus is the ultimate elder brother. The younger brother got a Pharisee for an older brother. You and I have Jesus who is the ultimate elder brother. See, this younger brother, he came home, right? And he was given a robe. Jesus was stripped of his clothes and hung on a cross naked. This younger son was given a ring. Jesus was given a crown of thorns. This younger son was given a feast, a fattened calf, and Jesus just got vinegar in his mouth while he hung on the cross. We have to understand that cost, and that should melt us and move us. In preparation for this message, we came across this quote, and it says, to come to Christ costs you nothing. Pause. For you to just say a prayer and to surrender your life over to Jesus, that doesn't cost you anything. It costs Jesus everything. But it doesn't cost you anything to say that prayer. But to follow Christ, 
that's something different. That's going to cost you a little something. That's going to cost you effort, energy, emotions, time. Something that I've just been really wrestling with over the last couple of years is for all of us and all of us online, the most precious commodity that we have on this side of eternity is time. And what do we do with that time? And do we choose to give up some of that time to follow Jesus? But even more so than that, to serve Jesus, to serve Christ, that's gonna cost us everything. So Jesus offers us, through grace, that gift of salvation. That's why, you know, in this quote, Brandon said, it says, to come to him, it doesn't cost us anything. He paid the price. It was a price we could not pay. Yeah. Jesus is the only one who could pay that price, and he paid it on our behalf if we will accept it. And like I said, as, as we start to follow Jesus and we say, hey, Lord, I, I want you to start to transform my life, right? There's, there's some cost associated with that. But the idea of serving Jesus is a recognition that Jesus is not only our savior, right? The one who, the one who saves us from the consequences of our sin, but he is also our Lord. Mm. He is our master, And to serve him and recognize him as our Lord means that we let go of, we surrender all of our preferences, all of our ideals. We say, Lord, these are all yours. Maybe I want to do things this way, but you say to do it this way, I'm going to do it this way. So for us to lean in and actually serve Jesus can cost us everything. And so we have to wrestle with that. Are, are, are we willing? Are we willing to surrender? Are we willing to take that place of a servant? Are we willing to submit to Jesus as our Lord? Even and if Paul. your answer to that question is yes, what was that? Even Paul. Like yeah. How did he refer to himself? Yeah, Paul, Paul refers to himself. He says, I am a slave. I am a slave of Jesus. Slaves aren't like, mm, you know what, I, I don't really want to do that. No, like if, if, if Jesus says do this, like in our posture isn't like, mm, okay, yeah. Man, are we willing to submit fully to the lordship of Jesus? If your answer is yes, then you look at this, this set of parables that we just went through. And you say, well, what do we, what do we glean about our master from this set of parables? And I would suggest to you today that from this we can glean one thing at least, and that is that, that our master has a heart for the lost. He says, the shepherd, he leaves the 99, he goes, he pursues the one that is lost, and when he comes back, there's more joy in heaven over this one than the 99 that never left. He says, the woman, she goes and she looks for her coin, and when she finds it, doesn't she call her friends together and they celebrate? Because the thing that was lost has been found. The younger brother, he wanders away, squanders everything. And when he comes back, there's a party. The heart of our master is that we would come and sit at the table with him. His heart is for the lost. We, his servants, should have a heart for the lost. 
In Luke 19.10, Jesus kind of gives us his mission statement. He says, the son of man, referring to himself, came to seek and save the lost. And then in Matthew 28, he gives his disciples and us, by extension, the great commission. And he says, now go and make disciples of all nations. Go find people. Help them come into a relationship. Help them come to the table. And help them learn what it looks like to make Jesus as Lord. He says, teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. Help them come to the table and help them live a life that is transformed by the power of Jesus through Holy Spirit in their life. His heart is for the lost. His mission is to seek and to find those who are not with him. If we are his servants, Does our heart reflect that? Now, if you've been here for a while, right, you probably remember over on this wall, we've got these these ping pong balls. If you're newer in the last several months, maybe every week you come in here and you think, what in the world are all those ping pong balls for? That is our, our wall. It's a visual reminder of this idea. We did our series, Reaching Out. And in this series, we talked about the idea of of finding a one. This is asking Holy Spirit to give you a name or a couple of names of people that are where you live, work, or play. And saying, Lord, who around me do you want me to invest in for kingdom purposes? Who do you want me to pursue to help bring them into the kingdom? And we said, hey, as Holy Spirit gives you that name, write that on the white ping pong ball and then you just drop that in that first compartment over there on that wall. And then we, we, we outline the tool. We use the acronym BLESS. It's the idea that as you, as you have that name, right now you begin to invest in prayer in that person. You pray for them. You, you create space to listen to that person. Allow them to share their story. You get together with this person. You start to do life with this person. You look for ways to serve this person. And then over time, as Holy Spirit allows and prompts you, right, you start to share Jesus with that person. You say, hey, man, these are some of the ways that, that God has worked in my life. I just, man, I just want to tell you about that. And as you have those conversations, those, those opportunities to share Jesus, then you go and you, you write their name on a green ping pong ball and you put that in that middle compartment over there. Again, there's, there's nothing magical about ping pong balls. Right? This is just a, 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 a tangible expression of your commitment. So you start to share Jesus with them and then our hope, our prayer is that at some point they will come into a relationship with Jesus. And then you, get a, you go write their name on a blue ping pong ball. And you drop that, and that to, which we've got a few of them in there. Praise the Lord. We got, we got people coming to Jesus, ladies and gentlemen. Amen. Put the slide. Slide. Oh, yeah, I forgot the slide. That's all the stuff that I just said right there. <laughs> <laughs> he has a heart for the lost. Do we have a heart for the lost? And we'll end with the same question that we've, we've been ending with, and that's we encourage you to ask this question. Say, what is Holy Spirit saying to me? Maybe in this moment, Holy Spirit is, is giving you that name. <clears throat> and I like, you've got like a cool little visual with that. What were you yeah, saying? Yeah, I, I, instead of just a name, like try to use your imagination 
and visualize that person's face right here. They got a little tiny head, I guess. But, <laughs> but it makes it more real when you use your imagination and view the person's face on this ball. And maybe in this moment, that's the Holy Spirit starting to whisper to you. Say, hey, team, you can make your way up. This is your person. Well, as the worship team sings the next song, I want to encourage you, man, go, go jot it down. Down uh, over there by that my one wall, right? We've got markers. There, there are ping pong balls down there. You go write that down. Drop it in that first compartment. He wants us to come to the table. Do you want them to come to the table? Maybe, maybe, What Holy Spirit is telling you is that you are more of an older brother. There are people that if they were to walk through the doors of the church and take a seat here in the sanctuary, you say, oh, I can't believe that person is here. What are they they doing at church? I can't believe that the pastors would let that person come here. Maybe you have more of an older brother mentality. You say, hey, I I do all the right things. I'm a good person, right? I've been doing this for 50 years. And you're doing all the good things, but you don't have the heart of your father. Mm. And Holy Spirit is challenging that in you here today. This, This can be a challenging place to be because, man, we think we think we're there. And the Pharisees that, that were listening to Jesus thought they had it. And over the course of this chapter, we see Jesus systematically, right? He uses sheep and shepherds. Shepherds weren't considered a whole lot higher than tax collectors in their culture, right? Women, right? He says, hey, there's this woman. Women didn't have the same status in that culture, right? This punk kid, disrespectful, could have been stoned. Jesus uses three different characters. The father, he uses four characters. The father did things that would have been considered scandalous. And he uses all of those things to say, hey, hey, you guys think you've got it, but you're wrong. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says, God uses the foolish things to shame the wise. And over the course of this chapter, We see him go after this heart, this mentality, because it's just as far away from the father as this guy was before coming back home. You can go ahead and stand with us. Before we get into this song, if you're that older brother, maybe you just need to come down to the front and kneel And just tell God you're sorry. I mean, over and over again, the word repent is used. And all that means, it's a churchy, fancy word that simply means changing direction. And maybe today, if you're that older son, you need to repent and turn back towards God. Get back towards his table. Or maybe you're the younger son. You're at your rock bottom. You've squandered everything. 
you're at your wit's end. You're broke, you're in the middle of a divorce, the kids don't talk to you anymore. I don't know what your situation is, but the Father's ready and he wants to put a robe on you and he wants to bring you back into the the house and he wants to bring you up to the table. That was me. God reached into the muck of my life and I reached out to his hand and he drew me out of that darkness. And since 2006, it has been an incredible ride with Jesus. Sure, I've had some challenges. I've had some dark moments in my life. My marriage has been in shambles at the brink of divorce, even as a follower of Jesus. But Jesus was always there. And I wouldn't take any of it back. And Jesus, he's put a robe on me. He's put a ring on my finger. I've ate pretty good with Jesus. But maybe that's you today and you need to start your relationship with Jesus. So prayer team, if you could make your way down to the corners. The prayer team would love, it would be a blessing and an honor for them to guide you in a prayer to start your relationship with Jesus. Today could be the day. If you're that lost sheep or you're that coin, or you're the the older brother or the younger brother, today can be the day that you come to the table for eternity. And the only thing that it might cost you is you being uncomfortable and coming down and allowing someone to pray with you. It costs Jesus everything. And so we don't know where you're at on this spectrum, but what I do know is The presence of God, Holy Spirit, was moving and grooving last service. And I know of at least one person who surrendered their life to Jesus. And he left the 99, so we celebrate in heaven. And so as we sing this song, you might be the only person that moves. Guess what? There was a party for the one. You might be the only one and you might feel uncomfortable, but today can change your eternity. Have you thought about how long eternity is? It's a really long time and that can change today. All you have to do is pray out of faith that Jesus is your Lord and Savior and repent, change the direction. Stop living the life the way you've been doing it that's got you to where you're at now and turn towards God. Begin to renew your mind and your heart. Get into community with people who are going to point you towards Jesus. It will radically change your life. I'm a testimony to that. God has done remarkable things in my life that only he could have done. And I stand up here passionately because I want you to experience just a sliver of what I've experienced. Because I know that it will melt your heart. It will cause movement. And if you're the older brother and your heart is calloused, allow this time to melt your heart and allow it to move you to action. Allow it to change you to seek and to save the lost, to go and to make disciples. So we're gonna sing this song and as you 
feel led. Come down to the front. Come see the prayer team. If, if, you, don't, if you don't have your lost person yet, come pray about it and go drop it in the wall during this time as we sing this song.